Welcome to Spencer Talks About Stuff. I want to continue to thank you all for listening and supporting the podcast. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or know someone who should be on the podcast, please reach out to me. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Please follow the podcast on Spotify and download the podcast on Stitcher if you prefer that platform. For today's amendment section, there's really only one thing that I want to address. My father and I, on the last episode, we were talking about the arson investigator in Southern California that turned out to be an arsonist himself. His name was John Leonard Orr. If you Google his name or look him up on Wikipedia, it is a fascinating story to read about. So he he's a former firefighter, novelist, and convicted arsonist. Orr was the fire captain and arson investigator for the Glendale Fire Department in Southern California. He was convicted of serial arson and four counts of murder. This is an incredible story, and there's actually a book written about it. I think my, my dad and I called it the wrong thing, but the book is called Fire Lover, and it's written by Joseph Wamba. So if you guys are interested in picking that up, um, it is called Fire Lover. It's a fascinating story. Today, for Spencer's Favorites, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite restaurants in Boise and my favorite spot to get breakfast burritos in Boise. So one of my favorite restaurants is Andrade's, which is a Mexican restaurant in Boise. They're moving right across the street to a new location. They are on Overland and Orchard, and they should be operating operating in that new location soon. If you're in the mood for traditional Mexican food, they are top-notch. I say traditional Mexican because there is like the more Americanized Mexican food. And to me, this seems more akin to what you would see in a nice restaurant in Mexico. Once again, that is Andrade's in Boise. My favorite joint to get breakfast burritos in Boise is Bad Boys Burgers. They have two locations, one on Fairview and one on Vista. I go with a breakfast burrito with both bacon and sausage, and I always ask for extra taco sauce. Once again, that is Bad Boys Burgers on Vista, and there's also one on Fairview. Please leave a review for Spencer Talks About Stuff. It is now live on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review and subscribe. Without further ado, here is episode 15. All right, welcome to episode 15 of the Spencer Talks About Stuff podcast. Today on the podcast, I have Sam McCaskill. Sam is a former Boise State football player, and he is in real estate. So, Sam, how's it going? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. Got to get the formal intro out of the way, and then we can continue to talk about what we were talking about. You're very tuned in that. You're really good at at putting that together. Well, thank you. I've had... uh, No script or anything. You're just... No script. Well, I did have some scripts. I had a script for Mick Lose. Do you know Mick? Yeah, I do Did he ever come talk to the team or anything? No, I met Mick after through a varsity B event okay. and I didn't even, I didn't know who he was at all yeah. and getting to know him. And then, you know, what he's doing now is pretty cool, but yeah. I haven't gotten to catch up with him for a while. Yeah. So I just, I wanted to make sure I had the correct district he was running for the correct position he was running for. And then, uh, I think I had a little script for Daryl Acre too. Yeah. So I didn't want to screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the Sam McCaskill and then real estate, I feel like at this point you can basically kind of, you know, throw a dart at the board and, about half the people that I know are working in real estate. So yeah. I think it applies for, yeah. you know, the majority of people. Yeah, that's, here. that's what Daryl and I were talking about. Like back in the day, I'd say from, I don't know, from when I first got to Boise state until 2012, maybe the job for former athletes was 
uh, medical reps. And that's what everyone used to go to right when they were done with football. And now it seems like it's real estate. So, yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think that, you know, that time was when I was still finishing up because it seemed like the majority of people were actually looking at going to striker or doing different stuff like that. And yeah. there's still quite a few people into it, but you know, even let's see, Vinny Peretta, Vinny was in at striker, I believe. And then he switched over and he's oh. in, in real estate with title work. now. No way. Yeah. Okay. I thought he was still, for some reason I thought he was still with striker, but yeah. Yeah. He's Crazy. a good dude. Yeah. yeah. I run into him now and then. Yeah. So you work for talk, right? Yeah. So it's actually, it's or, funny cause do I, pronounce I get it that. Wrong? Yeah. So <laughs> I get that all the time. So it's actually, so we were Thornton Oliver Keller and we've been Thornton Oliver Keller forever. Okay. Um, it was a couple of guys who came up from San Diego about 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, and they started, and it was when kind of Boise was on their first spike of growth and they started a commercial outfit basically in investments in real estate and strictly in commercial. Yeah. And, uh, from there, you know, time has gone on. And so if you would go and you would see our signs, it would say Thornton Oliver Keller commercial real estate experience results. And it's like, that's a mouthful to see just driving by. (laughs) Plus for me, like, I'm getting on the phone cold calling people quite a bit and talking about properties and to pick up the phone and say, I'm with Orton Oliver Keller commercial real estate. How are you? It's like, can yeah. you say that again? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What are you doing? So is it, is it T O K? It's a, it's yeah. So it's T O K commercial now. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that two and a half years now. Awesome. Um, yeah. It's been great. I cool. love it. Learning a lot. Oh yeah. I, I picked the brokerage that I'm with just because of the, kind of upper management and the partners in the firm, you know, as a lot of guys who have been doing it for a long time, saw an opportunity to really get in and learn a ton. And it's like, I think that that's huge is to be able to pair up with mentors or a group or a team that you can get behind and, you know, have a soundboard to ask all these questions. Cause you know, it's a, it's a pretty expansive industry to be in. It's like, if you don't know anything, it's going to take you a long time to get started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just need to check one thing real quick. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Hang on one sec. Okay, sorry. I had to check something. I I thought I forgot. I I thought I forgot to hit record, but I did hit record. <laughs> so, um, uh, so you've been there for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Have you been doing the same thing all two and a half years, or? Yeah, so I kind of came in as a in a mentor role. Um, so my mentee is actually our managing partner. Um, I got introduced to him actually at tailgate at a Boise State game oh, after really? I was done, and we were you know talking about my interest in real estate, and that kind of got spiked from you know working in some stuff with the university and seeing the development on campus. Yeah, kind of seeing the synergy with campus, the downtown expansion, how the whole valley was developing out, and I was like, well, real estate would be really cool. I'm interested in the development process. So he actually took me in. He works primarily in land development. Um, so land, land development and investment. Yeah. Um, and so starting with him, I got an opportunity to be able to get thrown in the fire and work side by side with him and really learn, you know, how he put deals together, how he was able to connect. And, you know, he was a born and raised Idahoan, grew up around here. His dad was a dirt broker. And so, um, getting into it, I got to learn everything from him. Yeah. And so now like, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier is, you know, find somewhere, see what you want to be doing and find a way to shorten that learning curve basically and get up to speed as quick as possible. And so I saw that with him um, and he provided me a great opportunity. So it's been great. I work, 
you know, a, the majority of my deals are all land development deals. So that's pretty fun because I get to work, you know, two years before everybody gets to see it yeah. you know, come to fruition. And yeah. so I get to work on everything on the back end and I get to see, you know, a, a empty place in the community that gets developed into this beautiful thing. So yeah. that's, that's been really fun. That's awesome. It's kind of like your, so, so do you work with like the economic development people too? Mm-hmm. Like those boards? Yeah. So I, I assume Ada County has their own. Yeah. So, so, you know, Ada County and Canyon County are two, two separate because they work outside the municipalities. And then, you know, coming in from Oregon, when I came over to the university, it's like, you know, I only knew basically my house to campus and that's about it. Yeah. And so now as I got started working, I get to look, look at the entire Valley. I can, you know, I get to talk with all the economic developers in every min- municipality throughout the Valley. Um, and so working with them, city council, planning and zoning, all these different things. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that's probably that and the relationships, um, you know, with different people. Cause in commercial, you know, the, it's not a one-time buyer, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a person that you form a relationship with. You guys know how you work together and then you get to, you know, go through with that. And yeah. so, um, the long-term relationships, it's definitely a, a long-term industry for me. And so I'm fired up that I got started in it when I was young. Nice. Awesome. What, what did you study at BSU? So I actually suppl- uh, did uh, supply chain operations management. Oh, cool. So yeah, it was kind of in the background of, uh, like warehousing and distribution. Yeah. So my sophomore year, um, you know, we switched the, the workout times basically. So we would work out in the mornings yeah, and then we would run in the afternoon cause people had class. And so it makes it really hard to do an internship or whatnot. So yeah. actually I would, I would do my workout and then I would drive out to Nampa yeah. um, and I would work in a, uh, the Admiral beverage corporation right oh. by the sugar beet factory. Okay. Gotcha. So I worked with you know, moving pallets and production of soda pop, which yeah. is kind of the reason I don't drink soda pop anymore, <laughs> but, um, around it too much. Yeah. Yeah. And seeing how it's made, it's yeah, not for me, yeah. but, um, pull, pull the mic just to like, talk just a little bit closer to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. It's, yeah. But that was cool. I got to drive a forklift quite a bit and nice. move these huge things and yeah. yeah, it was fun. But I think more than anything, I was fascinated about the structure and the development of, you know, what it takes to make one of these manufacturing facilities rather yeah. than the actual movement of the product. And so I think that kind of played into my interest in real estate. I actually tried to switch to construction management halfway through, but with the NCAA, you kind of get pigeonholed to a point where you have to be a certain amount done with your degree um, to be able to fulfill the playing requirement, basically. So yeah. I was so far done with my supply chain major that they wouldn't allow me to switch to construction management because it would reset my clock. Basically, oh, wow. it was kind of a funky deal. But did Gabe tell you that? It was it was Gabe. <laughs> it was it was a it, it was a mix of Gabe directed by the NCAA NCAA that told us that yeah no go yeah I always I always tell people uh, take everything Gabe says to you. So Gabe Rosenval was our like academic advisor for sports. And I think he was in charge of all academics, but he mm-hmm. like kind of focused on football, kind of like how Mark Paul was with athletic training. Yeah. And uh, I, if I would have listened to Gabe, I would, I would not have graduated early <laughs> and like started grad school while I was still playing. Oh really? Yeah. So he, he wanted, tried to steer you away from well, doing yeah, the grad school. He wanted me to stretch it out a little bit more and be, he was like, well, you want an easier schedule in the fall and stuff, which I get how some guys would want that. But yeah. I was like, like I had a conversation with Strauss, how, 
you know, I'm, I had a conversation after my senior year with Strauss about not playing anymore, but I had some other conversations with him leading up to that. And I kind of knew that I wasn't going to play like in the NFL. Yeah. So I wanted to get as much done with my undergrad as I could and then get into grad school. What was your undergrad? Uh, it was criminal justice. Oh, so nice. my undergrad and masters are both in criminal justice. Oh, wow. Yeah. What steered you away from that? Um, so I actually, God, I went through the whole process with, uh, the secret service. Wow. And I, I did the polygraph. I did the background. Uh, I did my oral boards with them and, and that's where you failed. (laughs) Well, it was, it was more of a background thing and I, it was kind of a technicality and I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, but I mean, I passed my polygraph, so I told the truth on everything, Mm -hmm. but they said they didn't like one of the things that I said. And so I, I got booted from the process for the special agent position, but the secret service also has a uniform division that works in DC. And so I went through the process again for the uniform division. And then I just didn't hear back after, I think it was after my second oral boards. Um, but I kind of got recruited for the secret service because one of my professors in college, her husband worked for the secret service and he, he doesn't work in, well, he doesn't work for the Secret Service anymore. He's actually the Postmaster General for Idaho. Oh, okay. So it's just another federal job. Like once you get into those federal jobs, it's like people kind of jump around from like, you know, FBI guys maybe want to go do currency stuff with Secret Service or Secret Service wants to do U.S. Marshal stuff. So like your federal clock starts ticking and then they start jumping around. Oh, but, okay. But I, uh, I applied for that, and while I was while I was going through that process, I started working at Saint Alphonsus. And I actually was working in supply chain management at St. Al's and I did it for, I did it for four years and I became a manager and I was managing the storeroom and distribution logistics. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I did that for, for four years at St. Al's and, um, you know, I, I kind of still wanted to do some law enforcement stuff, but I kept getting promotions and I was like, do I really want to leave Boise and go to Glencoe, Georgia and do training and then maybe get stationed in Detroit or something? Or can I stay in Boise, stay around my family? I got a good job. So I decided to stay here and I I decided to stop pursuing, um, stop pursuing that. But, uh, I think completing a master's degree, no matter what it is, is if you're applying for a job, they respect it because they know that you can set your mind to something and get work done and listen to professors and write speeches and, uh, or write papers and do speeches and all that stuff. And I mean, you have to defend your papers sometimes with your professors. So yeah. I don't know. I, I, I haven't ruled out still doing something in law enforcement, but I don't know. I, I like my gig right now and I like running a business on the side. And so, yeah, I mean, you, you got a good thing going on the, uh, and I feel like that with academics right now, more than anything, I mean, I very rarely ever see someone actually pursue a career and what they studied. Yeah. It's like at the end of the day, it kind of just is a check mark that says, Hey, I can apply myself and I can go through this curriculum yeah. and it, it shows good. But the master's program is really cool because it's an extra step to dive in really deep into yeah. whatever you're doing, which I think is important for any. Hey, have you done your MBA or anything yet? No, I didn't actually. I was, when I, when I got done with the Vikings, I, was actually thinking about doing a study abroad program um, for psychology. Okay. And I was thinking about doing that. And that was, you know, that would have been a huge leap into something I've never even had a background in. And, yeah. You know, it's a, 
that's an expensive move. So I decided against it. Did football cause you to want to do that or like the psychology stuff? Yeah, I was really interested in kind of behavioral psychology, why people do what they do. You know, in football is so interesting because we're around this huge locker room of guys, staff, everybody who has, you know, all these different personalities and different things. And a lot of it is, you know, persuaded by their disposition, what they believe in. And it's all coming from, you know, their previous experiences. And so looking at that, I was like, wow, that'd be really cool to, you know, and I think, I mean, coach Pete was a psychology major yeah. and coach Pete's the best people person I've ever been around. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, looking at that, I was like, you know, I love being around people, talking with people, understanding their background and everything. I was like, psychology might be cool, but I don't want to be a psychologist. Yeah. 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 So where would you have gone? Is, are there certain programs in certain countries or? Um, so the DeChevro family who helps out with the uh, Bronco life stuff. Yeah. Um, and they, they provided that uh, grass practice field for Boise state. Okay. Um, I was talking with them right when I got done and they have ties in Scotland. They do a bunch of Scotland trips. Um, so I was thinking about going over there yeah. um, in Scotland and uh, <laughs> trying out. So yeah, it was, it would be way different experience. So is it like Edinburgh university or something? (laughs) Something, something that sounds super prestigious that I didn't belong at. (laughs) Definitely. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's super cool. Okay. Well, I totally forgot about this. So do you want to explain what you brought? (laughs) Sorry, before we get into it, because I want to talk about, I know you've been abroad and we almost met up when we were in Germany because we were over there at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, but let's crack these. Explain yeah. to me what they are and I'll get them ready. <laughs> so this is uh, daytime Lagunitas. It's a, it's a good little summer beer. It's, uh, I'd say, a step up from a Coors Light or, you know, a light yeah. beer. Tastes like an IPA and has 98 calories. So Oh, nice. Yeah, keep it lean. Three keep carbs, Keep it lean man. for the summer. Awesome. All yes. right. Let's crack them. Cheers, man. Thank you for coming over. Of course. Thanks for having me. That's a damn good beer. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> nice for a, uh, like a, a paddleboard session, maybe yeah. sit by the river with the dog. It's a, it's a good deal. Yeah. It kind of tastes, it kind of just tastes like a light IPA. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Super easy. That's why I like, uh, I don't know. I don't know where the, the drink thing happened. Um, but I think I decided like day one of the podcast, I was like, okay, that's going to be a shtick on the podcast. Yeah. Cause my wife and I were at Brewer's Haven and she saw some, I don't know, fancy cider thing that she wanted. And I was like, let's drink them on the podcast and talk about them. Yeah, and then it just, that's awesome. I was like, I'm going to do that with everyone. So I'm yeah. gonna, I might start buying these. Yeah. I'm going to discover a lot bad. of new drinks. Oh yeah. They're uh, <laughs> at Albertsons. You can do uh, build your own six pack mm. and you can go in and me and my girlfriend, Melissa, we go in and we just kind of assemble. We're like, Oh, that looks good. Let's try it. And we just yeah. try a bunch of stuff every now and then they're yeah. good for grilling out in the backyard. So yeah. Have you been to Brewers Haven? You know, I actually, me and Thomas Spurbeck and David McKenzie live right down the street from Brewers Haven. I think yeah. we went to it once. Oh, no we way. We would drive by it all the time and they always have really funny signs out. And yeah. Like there's always a group, like there's always a big gathering there. Yeah. You know, I think there's like the post work, like the four o'clock people yeah. crowd always goes there and yeah. I don't know, they have stuff on tap, but yeah. they also have like all these exotic beers from, you know, overseas and Germany and they have like Japanese oh, stuff. Oh, really? And, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna have to dive in deeper in Bruce yeah. Haven. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> That's sweet. And I used to, uh, they, they have like all the equipment and ingredients that you need to brew your own beer. And so they have dextrose 
and I could never find cheap dextrose as a supplement. Yeah. And so I would go to Brewers Haven and it was like $3 a pound. So no I'd kidding. just buy a bunch of dextrose and use it in my like post-workout oh shakes. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like a chemist back here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you just got to find the cheapest stuff. Oh yeah. If you go to bodybuilding.com, they'll charge like five times what you'd pay for it at yeah. Brewers Haven. Because they can. Yeah. Tough to find. Yeah. Throw it online. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't know how much you want to delve into what we've been talking about and it's been kind of an ongoing thing um for the past i don't know at least a year where mm-hmm. we've kind of talked about this stuff off and on and i know that there might be something happening in the future but so i don't know how much we want to talk about it but doing like kind of a re not re-entry program but like a transition program for guys from boise state because you and i have been very open about it with each other um i talked to daryl about it i've talked to Efa, Swike, Potter, like all those dudes. And it and it seems like most guys have an issue when they're done playing football, transitioning to the real world. And I know that there's some stuff in place, like they have the Bronco Life stuff, they have the uh, varsity B club, all those things. But I think that I think that there's a hole that still needs to be filled. And I don't know exactly what it looks like. Yeah. Like how we could fill it, but I think talking about it will cause at some point it to get done you bet and i it's funny because the more people you talk about it the the more you realize that it's a needed thing yeah and there's so many people who feel the same way um and it was funny when i was driving over here i was actually thinking about i was like you know we obviously played let's say two years together yeah and then didn't probably didn't say a word maybe, you know, every now and then in passing, if we saw each other at an event yeah. and then you reached out to have coffee and literally our whole coffee conversation, we were just kind of catching up on everything going on and it just organically came up and yeah. then I realized we were both, you know, thinking about the same thing in the back of our head, trying to figure out how this works. Yeah. Um, and I think that was about a year ago at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, and when I got done and cut, everything was done. I came back and had shoulder surgery and I was trying to get reacclimated. I knew that I wanted to live here and work here. Uh, I didn't know what it looked like quite yet. Yeah. And one of the first people that I reached out to uh, was Bart Hendricks. Okay. And I, I texted him. I was like, hey, Bart, I really want to be, you know, involved in the university. I'm, I don't want to go the, ca- the coaching route. Like, I'm, I'm kind of burnt out on football at this point. I'm really interested in this player person development kind of going through understanding how to apply everything that you learned through athletics, being able to bring it to the next stage of your life. Yeah. And he was like, you know, we're pretty well equipped on BAA. Um, but you know, we're kind of going through a transition period in varsity B. It would be cool if you stepped on and, you know, provide provided a younger voice being so, you know, freshly done with the university. Yeah. And that was great because I got to step on and kind of understand the background of, you know, these, these organizations that support the sports and varsity B is specifically for sports because, you know, it's all ex athletes Yeah. and, you know, going through that and kind of understanding the background of how the university works. I had done some work for the university in the past, um, kind of understanding funding for the university and how these buildings are built on campus. Um, and it pull it just a little oh, bit closer. Sorry. And, uh, I want to make sure that I'm not like, no, you're good. In the it, mic no, it's perfect. Like okay. You're soft spoken. enough. You're not like Daryl screaming in the mic. <laughs> See, I basically just stood up at the end of the yeah, interview yeah. and was like talking in it. <laughs> it sounds about right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, the, 
the kind of background is it's like you're done. And I hear so many past players talk about, they're like, man, I'm chopped liver as soon as I'm done. Like no one's reaching out to me, but the coaches, the staff, the academic advisors, everybody, their job is in place to be able to help the current athletes. I mean, their, their schedule's fully booked, just helping out them. And I mean, you see the coach hours, they're working overtime every single night. Yeah. And that, that's something that I don't think I quite understood until I talked to coach Pete on the phone the other day. And he, he's all about what I'm talking about. And I think that's where he's shifting his focus at UW. But he just said, he's like, you know, the Sahas, the, um, Strassers, the coach Pete's like, those are the guys that influenced me the most when I was at BSU. He said their whole focus shifts from those outgoing seniors. They got a whole group of freshmen coming in. So they don't have much time to continue on with those seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where like programs like varsity B and BAA come in. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. Cause right when I started, um, I was, I got on the board for the varsity B and I was reaching out to all my buddies and people, you know, recently done. And I was like, man, you guys got to get a part of this. This will be cool. And they're like, well, you know, what am, what am I getting by being a part of it? And, yeah. And at that point I didn't really know. Yeah. And so from there I've been really thinking about it a lot and you know, our board, everybody has a vision of what it's going to be, but it's tough because there's not a full-time position that's just taking care of RCDB where everybody's doing it kind of as a, side donation of time yeah um and that's tough because everybody has these great ideas but to put them in motion it takes some time yeah yeah well i'm i'm hoping um the podcast can be a catalyst towards this i've talked to archie lewis a few times um and we actually we had a phone call scheduled and then for some reason it didn't work out but he's doing psychology stuff with the army which is like the coolest thing i've ever heard. i didn't even yeah. know he was doing that um and is, I, he, is he doing that here? No, I think he's he's either in the south, maybe in Texas or something, or maybe oh, okay. on the east coast in the south somewhere. Um, but he he kind of has the same ideas that we have. And I think a lot of people have thought about this stuff, but there's been no real progress putting it into place. And I think it just takes you know someone as the catalyst to like shove it into place and and just make it happen. Yeah. And I, I mean, my vision for it is, is almost having it like a kind of a course. Maybe you check in with someone Mm -hmm. once a week and do it for six months. Or, um, I think the in-person stuff and the teaching people how to act in a different environment. That's not the locker room. That's not the weight room. That's not the football field. Um, that professional development aspect of it is crucial as well. Um, cause you get, you get used to acting a certain way and then you get used to being around people that have the same mindset as you. But then once you, you know, you get into an office job with a 50 year old man, who's just trying to make it to retirement and he's not motivated like you are, yeah. um, it's just a whole different mindset and you have to learn how to cope with those things because you know, the, the guys that would have had that mindset when you're playing football in college, they get weeded out. They're not part of your team. Mm-hmm. And so you have to get used to, you know, you can't, you can't bash yourself in the head before a speech, you know, that you're giving to the board of directors at your company or <laughs> yeah. whatever. You have to pump yourself up in a different yeah. way. So, and you can't yell the F word before, you know, yeah, you're going to look meeting. like, <laughs> you're going to look like a nutcase if you go in, 
put your stereo down playing Enter Sandman and come sprinting yeah, through the room and exactly. board of directors. I, I totally agree. And it's, it's, uh, you know, everything in the business world is, you know, it's so relatable to everything that you've ever done in football. Everything is preparation, getting ready for a meeting, getting ready for whatever it is that you're putting together. And it's putting together your game plan of how you're going to go about it after the events over, whatever it was you go back to the drawing board and you say this worked, this didn't throw it out, you know, emphasize this and then move forward. And so being able to apply kind of that thinking, everybody has the blueprint to be able to, you know, go from transitioning to an athlete to be a successful business person, whether it's starting your own business or feeding yourself into a company. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's really interesting to look at, you know, other people, you know, and I know that you would know from starting your own business. It's like, it's tough to just go in and throw everything together. You know, you have your whole business plan, put everything into it before you, you know, really have everything test driven basically. So, you know, I was actually, um, me and, uh, me and T horn and Bo, um, and then, uh, Jake Rowe, Jake Hardy, some other guys, we've been meeting up at camel's back on Wednesday mornings and we've been working out and, you know, we do like some, you know, hit stuff with running up and down, doing squats and whatever it is. But yeah. a lot of it that's been really fun is just catching up, you know, every now and then we'll talk about like the playing days and everything. And so catching yeah. up with those people is so much fun. Yeah. And, you know, there's not enough time for that in the, you know, the busy day of life now. Yeah. But I think, uh, I think certain events cause, they cause you to cherish those moments more and reach out to people and make things make you realize that like things are more important than, you know, just trying to get a job and trying to further your business plan and all that stuff and making time for your friends, the guys you played with. Um, and an example of this is Dan Paul passed away just over a year ago. And that seriously, that event happening affected so many people because Dan was close with so many people. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, I know, 20 plus people that would say that he was their best friend, yeah. you know? And, oh yeah. And, and it was everybody. It, there, it wasn't one particular type of person. It exactly. was everybody that yeah. Dan was friends with. Yep. Yep. He was, uh, he touched so many different people's lives. And like I talked with Mark Paul about, there were, there were some clicks on the team when I was there, but Dan like broke through those clicks and he hung out with every single different group. And, and that's what I loved about him. That's what I respected about him. But his passing I think caused a lot of guys to to realize, you know, how special it is, how special our relationships were, and just because you're not on the football team anymore doesn't mean you can't be friends with those guys. Yeah. And we last week we had a uh, a get together um, to celebrate Dan on. It's been one year since his passing, and I mean Jeremy Avery was there, Kyle Efa was there, Swike was there. I mean it was just an awesome, awesome thing to see just what everyone was doing and catch up, and we were bullshitting about the playing days too and yeah. telling stories about players that we haven't seen in 10 years and it, it was awesome it it's was so, so much, much fun yeah. it's uh you know it, it's so funny because as soon as you're done it's such a like quick disconnect everybody moves away everybody yep. goes on starts doing their own thing and then everybody kind of resurfaces around like two or three years later yeah. and then you have all these stories and it picks up just like that yeah um but you know, it's, it's been really fun getting to be around some of those guys that I played with and spent a lot of time with and getting to kind of reconvene those friendships and be able to kind of trade notes of, you know, what they do in their day to day. Cause 
I love processes. Yeah. Know, going through what, you know, how you get your mindset right for work or a yeah. workout, whatever it is. Yeah. It's like all that stuff is so much fun. But me and T-Horn were actually kind of talking about this topic this morning. And usually that's what our conversations turn into. It's like the mentality of what we use when we played and then trying to apply that to the business world. Yeah. And we were kind of talking and, you know, in a, in a course, I think varsity B is the perfect, um, program to be able to, uh, have a program supporting this. Yeah. Um, I think with what's going on in Bronco life, it's so big. Um, they're doing, you know, incredible things. If, if, if all those career development, you know, courses and everything were available to us going through college, I mean, it would have been monumental, Yeah. but, um, it's great what they're doing now. And it's like everything going from like they take everybody up to graduation basically and so it's like to have a program that transitions you actually into the real world yeah i think would be huge and it's like everybody's at a different point when they like really click into gear and they're like okay i gotta get this figured out a little bit more seriously yeah so it's it's tough because if you have you know a a curriculum where they enter as soon as they're done, they might not be ready quite yet. Yeah. And you know, part of Bronco life is being able to speed that up. So they're thinking about it before they leave. Yeah. Um, but you know, once they're done, I think to be able to just put together a course, maybe like once a quarter where it's maybe like a speech, did you do the, uh, professional development day where Harse brought in, he would like, he would bring, I did it last summer. Um, let's see, Richie Brockle did it with me when I was there. Yeah. Um, but we came back and we were kind of talking about like what we learned through the program, what we're doing now and like, you know, passing on some knowledge to the current players. I have not done it. They have not reached out to me. Um, the one thing that I have done is it was with Bronco life and I was on a panel. Um, it was me and a bunch of realtors (laughs) because it was, it was, Oh, it was the, it was a thing at Albertsons. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, like I was on an entrepreneurial panel and I think there were three other, realtors and then myself yeah. and and going there I didn't know if I was going to be a salesperson like part of the sales group or if I was going to be part of the medical field because I work at St. Al's or if I was going to be part of the entrepreneurial thing but they picked me for the entrepreneurial thing because I started my own business and I mean it was it was cool to be up there with the likes of Nick Schleckaway mm-hmm. because the kind of thing he built is so different from what I built and uh, it was cool because some people were interested in his thing and I, some people showed interest in my thing. And I was like, oh, cool. Some people are yeah. actually, you know, want to know how, what it's like to run a CrossFit gym. Yeah. And uh, um, that's, that's the one thing I've done with them. And I'd like to do more stuff like that. I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool networking. And I actually, I met a few kids through that, that I did meet up with. And I gave them my whole transition spiel. And I think that they, they really, really liked it. And I gave that feedback to Mark Paul. And yeah, I mean, I've tried to get this thing going, but yeah. And, I, and it's cool because when you get done with a panel like that, there's going to be, you know, three or four people who come up who resonate with it. And, you know, that's kind of a testament to everything. It's like at Boise state, they give us all the, you know, all the material in the world to be successful, but you know, only a small group of people are ready to receive that knowledge when it comes to them. It's yeah. like, you know, it, it's tough because everybody's not going to be able to, you know, receive it the same at the same time. Yeah. So when you, when you kind of look at it that way, you know, I think that having, a you know, a panel or some sort of, uh, could be treated kind of like a networking event where it's like, we just go into the football facility auditorium and it's like all former athletes that are kind of around and they can sit 
and you know we have a couple speakers come in whether it's you know Kristen Armstrong or yeah. you know someone who was a past athlete talking about their transition talking about what they do in their day-to-day and relate it back to athletics yeah I think it would spark a lot of ideas in the group and just have it as kind of a open invitation try and get it out and get it to a bunch of people and then at the end it would turn into kind of an event like we were talking about where it's catching up with people that you haven't seen forever yeah um so having like a structured event from that we learned so much from you know what what information is really the most important and then being able to expand that into a curriculum where it's like you take this course your first year out whether you're you know in dallas texas or here locally that you can take and kind of understand apply stuff it's like a you know it's a business intro course of you know how to apply yourself again because in the football facility you get a teamworks text of when you have a lift when you have a meal all this stuff and so you're out on your own and you're making your decisions for yourself we we got little laminated pieces of paper back when i was playing (laughs) (laughs) they 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 transitioned everything to teamworks and it's like you barely even have to set an alarm because the teamworks comes in and i mean we had we rarely ever had anybody late or miss anything, um, which was great. But at the same time, you know, when you're done, you're not thrown to the wolves, but you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of finagle and find your own way. Um, and I think everybody kind of struggles with that. Yeah. And I, I think, I think people know what the big picture is and I think they know, okay, I have to take these principles that coach Pete or coach Harson taught me and apply them like hard work, blue collar mentality and integrity, accountability, all those things and apply it to your job. Obviously, I think all the guys that went through the program are going to be hard workers at whatever job they go to. In my opinion, I think I think the things that people are not prepared for are the little things. It's how to deal with your finances, um, how to deal with depression if it pops up how to deal with that guy. Like I said, somebody who doesn't have the same mentality as football players in your office. Um, you know, I, I think it took me a while to figure out that preparation for like a big meeting or a presentation is the same as it would be for a game. I mean, you have to prep and prep and prep and make practice harder than the actual game is going to be. And then the game rolls around and it's cake. Yeah. And I, I mean, even now if I have to do, you know, a sales pitch or present something, I'll go practice it in my office and I'll just, I'll do it a hundred times. And then like when it rolls around, it's super easy because you know, you, you have, you've done the hardest thing already. And like you prepare for, I prepare for questions, um, that never even happen, you know? So it's, it's just like preparing for, you know, a cross pop blitz that never happens in the game. (laughs) You're ready for it if it comes, but it's easier because you yeah, know, it's not actually thrown at you. Yeah, so. where I know if they do turn that bubble into a double pass, <laughs> I might get that guy in the backfield because I know exactly it's coming. Yeah, no, it's it's the exact same thing, and you you prepare for everything, and then that's when you start becoming a master of your work, yeah. and because you understand everything in so much depth that yeah. when you get in front of the time where it's your game time in your business world, now it's like it kind of becomes second nature and it's, and it's fun to be around people who, you know, are seasoned vets in whatever you do and seeing how they operate because, you know, there's, there's a lot that you can learn from and say, wow, I, I do things a lot better than what they're presenting right now. And then you see others that, you know, it's, they are a true seasoned vet or a master at their, their craft, which is really, really fun to observe. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 
I think one of those other small things that you're not you're not quite prepared for. Um, it's I don't even know how to explain it. It's it's being in that constantly like anxious mindset all the time yeah. and like always prepared for you know something that's gonna happen or right around the corner. And I think it might have to do with that big looming goal of like I just need to get better at football. Like that's the goal all the time. Yeah. Anything like we need to win a Mountain West championship in a bowl game with class integrity, like all that gets dialed back to I need to be a better football player. Yeah. And so I mean I don't know I don't know how you could shift that mindset. Is it do I need to be a better person? Do I need to be a better business person? Do I just need to get better at this specific job? Um, it's like all your decisions post football need they need some overarching goal over mm-hmm. them. And yeah. I don't know I don't know what it is. I mean, I think some guys completely lose that and that's why some guys get, you know, hooked on drugs or they drink too much or mm-hmm. they don't figure their crap out until they're 40 years old. So. Yeah. And it's tough because you do end up seeing a lot of people, they have this disconnect and it's, you know, whether if they had a successful NFL career, you know, I know that you and Mark talked about people coming out of the military and it's like, whatever it is, you know, a lot of people end up finding themselves in this dark place and not knowing how to get out of it. Um, But they have all the resources to be able to do it. And I think being able to make that really accessible to people, especially there's so many local guys. Yeah you know, who finish up sports and then stayed here, you know, it'd be pretty easy to get a group together. And like, it could be as, as simple as putting, helping people put together a business plan. And yeah. the business plan that I put together now, it's not just about business. It's about my whole life. And yeah. so it's like more than anything, a life plan. Like I have my whole life structured in this notebook and I put together, you know, a full business plan of everything I want to do in my professional career, everything I want to do with the organizations that I'm involved with, my friends, family, girlfriend, everything. Yeah. And it's like all set down there. So I have my curriculum where if I'm having a down day or something, I can look back at it and I'm like, okay, this is my, this is my purpose. Yeah. It's like, you know, you set this goal at the start of the season. It's, you know, win a Mountain West conference, win the bowl game, everything like that. But it goes into these very, very fine details. Like you mentioned, it's like you can transition all those. It's like, I want to be a better pass rusher. Okay. It's going to take backing into that. I got to have a quicker movement off the ball backing into that. How am I going to get that quicker movement? So it's like tracking those back into day-to-day movements. And then the goal's going to, the goal's going to come or it's not. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like sometimes that goal's kind of out of your control. Yeah. But being able to have yourself in a position, that's when, you know, if you're overly prepared and you're, you know, you're there in the mindset and everything, it's like you get to that point. And then in the business world, if you fail in that, it might open up a door to something else. And so it's like, you know, transitioning all your goals into actionable items and being able to move forward with that, I think is the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Having structure is huge. And I think, I think having that structure around you all the time is like being in the military. It's like being in the fire department. It's like being on the police department. Um, once that structure is taken away, guys are lost. And if you could provide something like that, like a little life coaching to them, I mean, I think just something as small as that, I think it could save potentially save somebody's life. You bet. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. I'm, 
I'm really fired up and anybody listening, you can count on us that there's, <laughs> there's going to be something we don't know what's going to look like yet, but there's going to be something, something cool that we put together for, for, to help people. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So what else is going on in your life? Well, <laughs> besides post football stuff, besides coming out of quarantine. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I, I love the whole area that we live in. Um, I just think that it's so cool. And it's like, you know, you get done with football and you've done football for five years straight. For me, I was super dialed into football in high school. Yeah. And so I put all these different things to the wayside activities that I love to do. Yeah. It's like in the wintertime, I ski as many days as I can. In yeah. the summertime, it's, you know, going and throwing the ball at the river for my dog. It's going on hikes. It's golfing. It's doing all these different things. Yeah. It's like, you know, the disconnect from sports you know, I miss the competition so much, the camaraderie and all that different stuff. But when you disconnect from it, it's like you really get to discover, you know, all these different things that you like. You can almost reinvent yourself to a point and like, yeah, what better way to just shed a bunch of weight and go and do the stuff that you could <laughs> yeah. do while you were playing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm just, I, I absolutely love the area that we live in because it's so accessible to anything outdoors or, you know, the community is so tight and, you know, still being able to have a hand in the university is super fun. Yeah. But, you know, from, from work to friends to, you know, just lifestyle activities and stuff. It's just a blast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that too. I, there's a lot of stuff I missed out on because of football. Cause I was paranoid about getting hurt, but then there's dudes like Chris Santini who would go do backflips on a snowboard. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was always super paranoid about like breaking my wrists. And so I didn't snowboard for, I mean, I still haven't snowboarded since like my senior year of high school. Yeah. Um, but I, I would like to get back into that in, into that, um, during quarantine, I picked up skateboarding. Oh, did you really? Yeah. And I started following. So I went out to prestige, uh, skate shop downtown mm -hmm. and I bought a deck. One of my good buddies and business partners, his cousin runs prestige. Oh, cool. And so I went in there, I wanted to support local and I got a deck and Chris Santini and I kind of reconnected cause I saw cool. him post some videos about skateboarding. Yeah. And, uh, I was following all these tutorials about like, I think they're for kids, honestly, yeah. about how to start skating and what things to do and how to like prep for certain movements. And I did like, I did like a foot high Ollie. I got to that point. Wow. And then like once the quarantine stuff started like wrapping back up, we had to put more time back into the gym. <laughs> so I stopped skating, but I have my skateboard right there. Yeah. At some That's point, awesome. at some point I'm going to get back into it. But like when I was 300 pounds, I didn't think I was ever going to skateboard. <laughs> no way. It's like you're maxed out going up the stairs. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Santini, he was, so he was my roommate when we moved into the dorms the very first summer and he skateboarded all the way through. I've never seen a, you know, he might be the strongest one of the strongest people I've ever met. Yeah, and totally. I mean, he's in the gym. He'll ride his skateboard to the wreck, like do kick flips on the way there. Yeah. You know, power clean 300 pounds and then ride back. And he's like, that dude is a, just a straight up athlete. Cause he's doing, you know, backflips whenever yeah. he wants. Like he's, he's a full blown athlete. Yeah. And he's still doing it. I know. I think he works for, he does like software sales maybe or like yeah. it stuff. Um, but yeah, we were messaging, messaging each other on Instagram. I saw him do, like a board slide on a huge rail. I, did you see this stuff? Oh yeah. I, I watch it all the time and I see him doing it. Like, I, <laughs> one, I have like, now that I'm done playing, I feel like I have much a, like a much higher regard for pain and understanding like, okay, if I do this, then I might actually get hurt. And now I pay for my own health insurance. So like, <laughs> I'm actually like, it's a whole calculated idea yeah. in my head, but yeah. 
yeah, I watch this stuff with Chris and Chris is, you know, he'll do a kickflip onto the rail, kickflip off or, yeah. you know, whatever he's doing. And he's a super interesting guy because he'll, he's doing that. And then he's like breaking down computers, rebuilding stuff. Like he's, he's a creative oh, guy. Oh yeah. He does like video editing stuff. Oh yeah. He's always been an incredible video editor. It yeah. was like, if you go on a trip, you got to have Chris there because he's going to put together a really sweet video at the end of it. So, so you know how him and I kind of started reconnecting and I was an asshole to Chris in college and I, I apologize. You were an asshole to me. Was college. I really? <laughs> oh my God. Well, I was on the scout team against you. Oh. If I, it was like, it was like either I'm getting, you know, pummeled by Leno down block from Leno pummeled by Dan Paul or inside movement and getting pummeled by like you or Joe or dice or someone. <laughs> it's like, that was our life for well, a whole year. Well, let me let me formally apologize. <laughs> yeah, I I, I've been that. I've been making amends with a lot of people because I know I was a dick to people in college. No, and I, I don't know what it was like. If it was just a mindset I was in all the time, yeah. Or I don't. I I honestly, those six years, it was like my anxiety level was so high. Yeah, and I just wanted to be the best football player I could be. And I, I think I had a chip on my shoulder too because I knew I wasn't that good. Yeah, and so I I don't know. I just. I don't know if I was compensating for not <laughs> yeah, being as good at football. Over, yeah. or <laughs> no, and but that's just part of football. I mean, it's just a bunch of like high adrenaline all the time. And yeah. it's like, you know, have I, since I've been done, like me and T-Horn up on the decks, we would like literally slap each other in the face. <laughs> yeah. It's like final rep, like this is for the season. And just like we, we started out with those neck slaps yeah. that Saha would give us. Yeah. Then we transitioned and one of us ended up slapping each other in the face. <laughs> and it was... You know, that was like the mindset where if I'm sure the athletic trainers who are sitting there watching us, they're like, these guys are psychotic. <laughs> and it's so funny to like, you know, T-Horn see him now with his little girl, and, yeah. you know, just like the best guy ever. And you just, you think back to those days and just the stupid stuff, yeah. like, you know, throwing chains in the locker room. Like yeah. that one time, remember with, uh, we, we didn't want to run decks. And so everybody would you know, we were in the weight room about to go out to decks and people just started throwing oh, weight, yeah. weights in the around. old, in the old weight room, in the old yes. people were like jumping on the, like the, <laughs> the top of the squat racks, yeah, the and... top of the squats hanging from the ceiling <laughs> and jumping all over, pushing Saha. Like yeah. someone went in and turned up the music super loud. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like Saha just went into his office and just let it happen. Oh my god! It's like a riot broke out yeah. with a hundred dudes <laughs> just was, screaming. There was no controlling it. And he's like, <laughs> He's like, all right, we're not running decks today. Yeah. Everybody freaked out even more and then just left. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some of that stuff, I don't know. That's the kind of stuff I miss is the locker room stuff, the weight room stuff. Um, it was just fun being around a group of dudes that all had a similar mindset. And I know I know, I was kind of a meathead. Yeah. And uh, like Dan Paul and I used to do a bunch of shit together that was really stupid. Yeah. But it was... I don't know. It was just fun having like a bash brother to do that. Oh, stuff completely. With, you know? And yeah, you, you get your crew. Like we had a, a couple guys where it's like, you know, the Saturday morning lift, the extra stuff was like our favorite thing of yeah. like the whole week. And we would go in there and you know, it's basically, you're just lifting arms. Yeah. And Did you, it's it, like, what was it called? Lyman club or uh well, when Saha. Saha was there, he had like donut club remember he would bring in he'd like bring donuts, donuts and, and coffee and we were just i bench pressed and yeah. then did like curls all the time but i don't know what i forget what it was called yeah we uh it was definitely because towards the end of my career we started doing like yoga and different stuff on saturdays and you would come in before if you wanted to lift but you know we would get a group in there it was a 
consistent group that, you know, it was all meatheads yeah, at the yeah, end yeah. of the day. And it's yeah. like, you know, we're doing dry scoops at pre-workout. You're taking <laughs> like, what is it? C4 that you would get. That's just absolutely terrible for you. But we would go and it's like, no one would even mix it with water. You do a yeah. dry scoop and then just run in there and everybody's just, you know, bouncing off the walls. Yeah. And that, that was the stuff that was really fun. Yeah. 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 And going from that kind of mindset and like having fun like that to an office job is so jarring for some people. Yeah. And that's, that's why I got obsessed with CrossFit. Yeah. Like when I first got done with football, I went in and I got around some people that were training for the games and I was like, holy crap, like I, this is what I need in my life. And it could be a total part-time thing. Just get it done at five fifteen in the morning. And then I could yeah. go do my job after <laughs> that. So I could get it out of the way in the morning. Oh, I got to I, every single morning. And, uh, I think Melissa thinks I'm borderline psychotic because I'm like, my alarm goes off. I jump right out of bed and I'm like, you know, drinking some coffee and rolling to the gym. And yeah. that's like, you know, if my day doesn't start that way, my whole day at the office is off. Cause yeah. I just don't like, I don't feel like do I you, put the work in. Do you go to Axiom? Or? No, so I there's a, a gym right downtown. Oh, it's Pivot, you yeah. Okay. Oh, and so, okay. So I go to that, and I actually, I was working out by myself probably for the first year when I got back, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I was like, I get to listen <laughs> to my own music. I haven't done this before, mm-hmm. and doing my own routines and everything, and then you get so lonely, yeah. and I'm like, I want to I wanna feel that competition again, and so when I went over there, it was super fun, and it's kind of a you know, they do the CrossFit type classes and they're more catered to a more generic group where anybody can step in and do it. Yeah. Um, but it's super convenient next to my work, but I got to get in and do a workout at your guys' gym. Cause I got to, anytime I got to do it. You're welcome anytime. Yeah. yeah. Cause, cause now I'm like, you know, if you don't do, if you don't do the CrossFit or high intensity stuff a ton, like your form could slip and you're trying to go so fast that you can mess it up. But now I feel like I'm back in kind of CrossFit type shape. Yeah. I love that. Like the, the quick burst, it's not, you're not in the gym for an hour and a half. It's get in, get the work in and get out. Yeah. And yeah. it's like the efficiency of that. You know, we, uh, I would, I would love, uh, I'm, I'm going to come in and work okay. out with you guys. I, I might, I might try to set a day where it's just former BSU guys. Cause there's been a that lot of guys. Be awesome. Yeah. There's been a lot of guys that have reached out to me and said like I want to come in for a workout and shoemaker I didn't know Tyler shoemaker is like obsessed with CrossFit oh yeah the other day he was telling me he's been going back through do you know CrossFit kind of what goes so on? I actually so CrossFit was getting big when I was in high school and the guy that I worked out with he was training me through like getting ready for football in the next level I think I started was it with him my junior year CrossFit football it was it okay. was CrossFit football and I remember gosh the you know, there were these workouts that we would do in high school. And I think that it's like part of the reason why I got my opportunity at Boise state, because CrossFit football provided me like the drive and the like kind of nonstop effort. Yeah. Um, we did this workout. It was, I think at the time it was called the Pat Tillman workout and it was 225 power clean, maybe like six reps and then a half gasser uh-huh. and you do that like six rounds or something, yeah. but you're going against your buddies. So you're trying to beat them. So you're yeah. rolling through these power cleans, just getting killed on the run and yeah. you're doing that. And it's like, we would do those workouts every single day. Yeah. And that was the most fun that I had working out. And the cool thing with CrossFit is it truly is a community. Like the people in that gym, um, it was, it was exciting to see everybody because it was this whole culture. It's like a team. Yeah. And you guys are all working out together, 
working out against each other and you know that's what's really fun yeah 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 so so shoe so you know about the crossfit open yeah yeah, yeah. so shoe said that he's going back through and he's doing all of the old open workouts, which to me sounds absolutely horrible. I would not go through and do it because you went through them and you yeah you I pushed hate them. it all oh, the way yeah. through yeah yeah, yeah yeah puked multiple times <laughs> trying to push ourselves on this. But like you know, I was on a I was on a team that went to regionals in 2016, mm-hmm. and that was like being in that environment was like being in football again. That's awesome because you're around. I mean, the the stakes are high, but they're not that high, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like. I get a snatch 265 and like, I mean, we got second place on a workout. I, awesome. It was awesome. It was so much fun. Um, I would have to drop down those weights a little bit to be able to complete <laughs> that workout. Cause I don't think I'm snatching 265 right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this was, we were training for regionals and we were killing ourselves, but we, we did, we practiced so much leading up to that, that regionals was easy. Yeah. You know, I mean, we got seventh place, but That's it wasn't, huge. yeah. Did something happen? Yeah, I think my Uh-oh. seat just gave out. Okay. Well, we bought that at Antique World Mall, <laughs> so if it breaks, uh, my wife might be mad at me, but we'll go buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> just tell her not to listen to this episode. <laughs> just wait until she sits in it. Yeah. I think it just kind of made it sink in a little bit more. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to ask you, you were talking about being done with the Vikings. So how much time did you spend with the team, with the so, Vikings after you're done at BSU? So I finished... Let's see, I graduated and finished football in December, uh, did pro day, went to OTAs in April, and April that, or May, that and was then a that fi- went... 15? 2015? Uh, that was 2017. Okay. Yeah, so I graduated in December 16, went to the Vikings in 17, went through, you know, training camp, OTAs, preseason. Uh, I played in four preseason games and then got cut at the end okay it's like the end of the day i knew it was coming yeah you know know you're not getting a ton of playing time you see some of the guys that are getting the reps and it's interesting because so much is guided from the front office that it's like if the front office loves you you're in Mm -hmm. if not it's like you could be the biggest tryhard in the world (laughs) and you you're still not going to catch their attention and they kind of hold on to that and you know it's interesting there's a, a player personnel guy who's there and we have a you know quite a few broncos on the team right now yeah so when they got ezra and david moa this year i reached out to him and you know we had a pretty good conversation just kind of catching up and he likes coming back to idaho every now and then and so i connected with him really well um there were a couple of guys on the team that were in my rookie class that i still keep up with and they're you know they were draft picks and guys who are really good i mean they got their career in the NFL for a while. Yeah. Um, and so it's fun catching up with those guys. And then we have, you know, some of our BSU guys to catch up with. And that's, what's really fun about watching the NFL now is yeah. you get to see people that you played against. It's like dude, to, to see Demarcus Lawrence out there and I, just destroying people. And it's yeah. like, I can look back and say, well, that's the reason that I didn't play when I was a sophomore <laughs> is because Demarcus was in yeah. front of me. And yeah. he's, you know, one of, he's, one of the funniest, nicest guys ever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when he turns it on, he has one of the best motors in football that I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, he'll chase plays down and it's, it's no wonder that he's, you know, top paid yeah. player in the, in the NFL. That it's impressive. Mind blowing. So I, I pride myself in like, I tell people, Hey, I practiced against Demarcus Lawrence, um, Tyrone Crawford, Billy Wynn, Shay McClellan, like all these dudes that yeah. made names for themselves in the NFL. Like I practiced against them all the time. Oh yeah. 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 I remember God, Billy going against a dude in one-on-one 
pass rush that you know could bull rush the shit out of you or give a crazy swim move. Yeah. That's like the scariest thing it's in the terrifying. world. That's why I liked going against dudes that like, I was like, all right, they're just going to bull rush. Like I know they're going to yeah. bull rush. Yeah. 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 Just hunker in. But you know, that, that dynamic player that you're going against, it's like, you know, for me, like pass rushing on Leno. Yeah. It's like, you can try and beat him off the ball. He's going to beat you off the ball. You can try and throw a move. He's going to grab you before you even make a move. Yeah. And it's like, you know, some of those guys, it's it's interesting looking in the NFL because it's there's there's this group that's making really good money. And then there's this top percent that's just, you know, there's a reason why they're making that much money. Yeah. And it's not just this God-given talent. It's, you know, they prepare really well. And it's fun to see the, the kind of the background of the professional athlete and what they do. I mean it's similar to a job. You're doing all this preparation. I mean, their sleep schedule, their eat schedule, everything is so fine tuned that that's the, the life that a lot of people don't see. All they see is the performance on the field and, Oh, they're getting paid too much money. But you look at the grueling hours that they put in body maintenance. It's like looking at the staggering number that James Harrison would spend on his acupuncture a year. It's like he's spending six figures just on body. He like paid a massage therapist to live at his house. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, that's what, that's what it takes for a guy to play in the the league for 15 years. Yeah. It's like listening to, uh, you know, stories on Tom Brady. A lot of people hate Tom Brady, but it's like the guy is so tuned into his, his body and everything. It's like, he's an old man still playing with the young guys and, it's because he takes care of himself and prepares. So I don't understand how somebody could hate Tom Brady and say like, like Tom Brady's a douche or whatever. It's like, there's a reason he is who he is. It's because he prepares. It's because he loves football. (laughs) Yeah. He's a good dude to be around and, uh, he's a good leader. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how, like what is hateable about that? I've never (laughs) understood. I have never understood the, the hate for an athlete. It's like, an athlete, a performer, whatever it might be, it's like you say, oh, I, you know, I hate that person. Or yeah. if you like LeBron James, you hate Kobe. If you like Kobe, you hate LeBron James. It's like these are people who are complete masters of their craft. Like you get to observe someone at the top of their game, whatever it might be, or it's a musician that you're watching or, yeah. you know, a performer or something okay. like that. So, it's like, <laughs> so you're talking about musicians. Okay. I, I think most people in those positions deserve to be there and they put in the hours and by some some gift they were in the right place at the right time because mm-hmm. I know that there's a ton of talented people out there that maybe just didn't get their shot but dude you're a little bit younger than me can you explain to me Cardi B <laughs> like what the fuck I don't understand anything about that woman no. and I put it on for my wife the other day because my wife's never even heard of Cardi B yeah which is one of the reasons I married her yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I I put it on and it's like this music is absolutely horrible. I don't understand. Yeah. And that's that's something that I, I don't think I'm the right person to ask about that because I'm I'm not a, a Cardi B fan and I like But maybe know, it's a maybe it's a character that they're playing that yeah. worked for a while. I don't know. I don't know. I you know, all musicians, <laughs> any anything is so interesting to look at, but if we're gonna talk about musicians, I mean we gotta talk about Faraji. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's so cool. I mean, listening it's, to his listening to his music, I mean, he came out with that song, uh, 
have you listened to Canadian Bacon? He yeah, oh, talks yeah. about Mike Atkinson. Yeah. And then I reached out to Mike and was talking to him a little bit. And, um, you know, it's so fun listening to Faraji's lyrics. And then he'll yeah. throw in this little thing about playing. And it's like, Dude. I'll play it for my friends who have n- no idea about Faraji, anything about, you know, his rap music or anything. But, like, I take pride in it because I'm like... I was in the cold tub next to this guy when him and Jarrell Gavins were just freestyling. Yeah. Burks would be in oh, there, yeah. and they're all freestyling. I'm like, this is crazy. These guys are very, very talented, and I've never been around someone who's, you know, just going completely, you know, off script and just rapping. Like, yeah. it's, it's creative, and he's really good. And he, he grinds, and I know he grinds because I was in the dorms the same time he was in the dorms, and he had... I mean, I don't even know what you call it, an audio interface thing that he would rap into. And I don't know if it was like an eight track thing, but he would come up with beats. And I still remember the first song. I think I have it on my old iPod that's sitting in my desk that's collecting dust. (laughs) That's cool. It it was called Incredible Swag. And I downloaded the MP3 and I, I would listen to it all the time. But that song, the Canadian Bacon song, he had a lyric that I love. And I think it was, um, I got a little CTE just, <laughs> just so, so Kellen could, could throw, throw a pass. pass. Yeah. I was like, dude, yes, that is incredible. <laughs> so awesome. Oh my gosh. I like, I will watch anything that Faraji's on. I've even watched, have you watched his interview uh, when they bring in Dr. Phil? He no. freestyles. Oh my gosh. Oh, he no. freestyles and Dr. Phil comes in. Was it with Sway? He, yeah. It was yes. With Sway. I, I, yeah. And he like, gosh, he, uh, you know, he did, he did another one that was really, really good. And he's like, freestyling and talking about all this stuff. And in one of them, he was like, oh man, you got to forgive me. I think I got a little sprinkle of that CTE. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, he, um, you know, he his his lyrics are really fun to listen to because yeah. it's like a whole story yeah. that he's talking through. And, yeah. you know, in all of his songs, he's always talking about being authentic and stuff. And, you know, he's he's built a really awesome career for himself. And, you know, following his tours, I didn't get to go to a show in Boise, but... Kellen Burr was there with Mark Paul and, yeah. uh, um, in the crowd. And, you know, it was, a, it was a small venue, but people were out there and having a blast. I mean, yeah. Faraji's a, a well, cool it's some, dude. It's something that he loves and he grinds and he put his mind to it. And, I mean, I don't think he would still be doing that if he didn't love it. So, shout out to Faraji. Um, Rex so, Life. Rex Life. Dude, I need to get, like, a shirt, too. Oh, oh yeah. Long time ago, he said he was going to send me a shirt, and I never, I don't know. I never give him my address. Please get Faraji on the podcast. I think that it would be an incredible episode. Yeah. Even if you guys have to, like, Skype do a in. Zoom call. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't done one of those yet, and I was actually, I was talking to Jason Robinson. Yeah. Which he was before your time, but he, I think he was three years older than me, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know him. And I thought he was in Boise, and we were emailing back and forth trying to set something up. <laughs> I was like, I'd love you to come over because I think in-person interviews are a lot better than doing Skype stuff. And he goes, bruh, I'm in Los Angeles. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I didn't even know that you were gone. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. I, I need to figure out the the Zoom stuff or the Skype stuff. Yeah. So Dice, man, all those guys. You yeah. Di- be able I, to- Dice said he listened to a couple episodes. Um, and so you were talking about being super regimented in uh, the NFL. Yeah. Uh, Dice sent me a Snapchat of him drinking Bush Light today. So <laughs> shout out to Dice. I think I got the same one. Did he say Sunday fun day? Yeah. yeah. I go, your days are off, man. You're living the life. No, Dice is, uh, you know, in, in, I was actually talking to a gentleman today and we were talking about, you know, youth sports and he was thinking about coming to the area and different stuff. Yeah. And it was fun because, you know, talking about these guys who I'm super close with, with Dice, Leighton Vanderesh, and, you know, these small town 
Idaho guys who, you know, have made it to the big leagues and made a huge name for themselves. Yeah. And I think it's put Idaho sports on the map, especially for the youth. Yeah. And I think that it's a huge deal because for whatever reason, you know, in my understanding, it seemed like there were a lot, there was a lot of talent that was getting looked over in Idaho. Um, and then, I mean, throw Taysom Hill into the mix. Yeah. And it's like all these guys who, um, you know, were a staple to this community coming up and, you know, being a, being a role model to the kids around here. I think that when people are playing football here, you, you know, you don't realize the influence that you have on somebody else because you're so kind of locked into the facility and the, you know, the doors inside, you don't get to interact with people so much. Yeah. Um, but when you step outside and see what a big deal it is, I mean, for, you know, Brad Lerano and Harse setting up, uh, you know, players going into the, the hospitals and stuff. It's like, that's when you take a step back and, you realize that this game is so much more. It's yeah. like, that's what I would fear the most for them not to be able to have a season because sports, college athletics, everything with that, it provides such an outlet for so many different people. Yeah. It's like to, to lack that is going to be really, really sad to see if that happens. It'll be interesting. And word on the street right now is conference only social distance inside the stadium. And I love how, uh, I love how with the announcement they said we're going to start selling beer inside the stadium <laughs> I know. too. Like to, yeah. they're like, okay, there's going to be less people and it might not be that great, but we're going to sell you beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, it's probably going to make them quite a bit more money. I don't than understand they made how in the past. I don't understand how they haven't done it yet. Oh, I know. I yeah. mean, that's it's so funny because you know, I for the first two years I was done, I maybe made it into the stadium twice. Yeah, and that's kind of a shame. And a lot of people that I would talk to, they would say, yeah, I'll go in when they start serving booze. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, um, did you have a tough time watching it when you were done? 100%. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It felt so weird. Yeah. I remember the first game that I went and watched. Um, and it was a bunch of us. It was like, uh, me and Spurbeck had just been kind of cut at the same time and we came back and there were a couple other guys that we met up like Steven Baggett was in town and, Kellen Burr and we just kind of all sat there and we're like, God, this just doesn't feel right. We should be on the field. Yeah. Like when you watch it, not just from the sideline perspective, but in the game and the adrenaline, it's like you take a step back. Plus you start hearing all the stuff from the fans. That's it's the like, worst. That was the I'm worst going. part. I was like, I can't listen to this guy behind me belittle, you know, rip. Who's a good friend of mine. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't see anything. And by the way, the kid's 20 years old. So yeah. you take it, you know, take a step back and it it is really sad and my parents would always say the same thing they're like gosh i'm just happy you guys don't have to hear what the you know the fans are saying and these are fans sitting next to the parents of the players yeah and you know if you're in the stands and just cussing spencer gurky's name (laughs) and his whole family sitting down the row like come on take a step back and realize it's not just a football game to win it's like yeah that's a kid trying his hardest he's not trying to miss the block that gets yeah. a sack like that's yeah that's a guy pouring his heart out to this facility yeah yeah it's it that was hard for me is listening to people scrutinize like my parents have a couple friends that are diehard fans and if i go over to my parents house to watch an away game like i'll probably end up going upstairs and watching it by myself or you know just avoiding people because yeah I, they just don't understand certain situations or, I mean, I, you know, I guess I get if you disagree with a play call or something, but I mean, I didn't care about the play calls when I was playing. Yeah, it was about bet. like winning the play. It didn't matter what the play was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I also understand because there's, you know, it's, it's such a, 
you know, a small group of people who get that opportunity to play in college sports. And then, you know, for the people who are watching it, that's their game yeah. too. So like they're extremely passionate yeah. about it. And it's like at the end of the day, you'd rather have people who are so passionate that they're, you know, their whole night's destroyed if the team loses, yeah. because that means that you have a good falling crowd. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think being able to get more people in the stands, it sucks that, you know, normally it's not a big deal if you cancel all the preseason games, but we had Florida state this year. Yeah. And Coming for those Boise. guys, you came to Boise state, you played at Boise state to play in those games yeah. and to get that canceled after, you know, that's predetermined from five, six years ago. Yeah. So you're licking your chops for six years to get it and then yeah. you don't get it. I, I feel for those players for that game. Yeah. I don't understand how eligibility is going to work either. Like if they, if they end up canceling the whole season, are they going to bump the eligibility stuff? Yeah. And I think that that's their plan. I mean, that's what they did with the spring sports. I know, you know, whether you're playing, you know, I was sad for the basketball players who were going into March madness. Oh yeah. As a kid, if you're a basketball player, you're playing for March madness Yep. and to get that taken away, especially if you're a senior it sounded like a lot of them got an extra year of eligibility if you wanted to. I think part of it's on the coaches of who gets the eligibility. That's going to be another discussion. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, to find a way to make it right, it's like as a world, no one's ever gone through this before. So it's like we're kind of pioneering what we're going to do yeah. through all this. And it's be interesting to it's, see how it goes. It's bizarre. But I also, I also think if they play a season in the spring – that would actually be kind of rad. Oh, it'd be cool. It'd be so cool. Yeah. Like no freezing games. Like the first couple games might be cold, but then like you end the season, like the bowl games are like all nice weather. Oh yeah. Like the humanity or not humanitarian. What is it now? NPC oh, or no, it's, it's Idaho, uh, potato Idaho potato. Yeah. Idaho potato. Yeah. Bowl. yeah. Oh, and it's going to, that's going to be a, a huge competitive advantage, especially if you're one of these mountain teams, you're playing in, you know, sub 30 every single game. Yeah. That's going to be a big deal. I think it would be like, yeah. Cause then you start thinking, okay, how long is that going to offset every other season going on? Well, see, that's what I was wondering is do you, if they do this, if they ended up bumping it to the spring, would they turn around and play another season in the fall? Because that's a lot on your body. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you just think of the the wreck that your body goes through just from spring ball yeah. and then getting ready for summer workouts. Like, to go through a whole season and do that, it takes a lot of players because they go through a surgery in the off season. You need that. So, it's going to provide, oh, man, that's a headache. Yeah, I guess if they, if they bumped down the games to maybe like six or eight games, something like that. I mean, I, I don't know how they do that with... Because you'd have to play other, every other team in the Mountain Division, which are there seven teams in the Mountain Division or six teams? Um, I don't even know anymore, I've been, dude. I've been removed way too uh, long. Yeah, me too. Remember that. But yeah, if they if they play each of those teams, if there's seven teams, they're playing six games, and then there's a championship game, so they're playing eight games, seven or eight. Yeah, games. you condense it like that. I mean, you're essentially cutting the season in half. That's. Maybe they know. could. Maybe, Maybe they, they could. could do back to back. Yeah, turn around and do It'd it again. Great, great for the viewing crowd. Yeah, I just uh, I was talking to Efa and Jeremy Avery and some of the other guys the other night, just about how terrible the football is going to be when it oh comes back gosh. on. Like yeah. it's not going to be good. Yeah. Well, and I think that it's just going to be all sports in general because you know. Think of yourself as a high school kid going through this quarantine and getting ready for a maybe season. You're like, yeah. eh, do I want to work out? Am I that driven to work out? 
probably not. You go in, bunch of people are going to get hurt. It yeah. It could be a it could be a bad season for injuries just sports across everywhere just yeah. because people are, you know, you get in that playing shape. Lifting weights in the weight room is a lot different than, you know, going head to head with someone every day. Yeah. You have to get out on the field and do I mean not just actually play football and get in football shape and football conditioned, but you have to like do lateral movement. Mm-hmm. You have to put your cleats on and do sprints with your cleats on. I yeah. mean, how many guys are actually doing that? <laughs> oh my god. I don't know. I yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. Um and I know a lot of the guys at Boise State right now, if they don't have access to a weight room, they're doing a lot of workouts with just loading books up in a book bag. Yeah. And doing backpack workouts. Yeah. So I saw a kid putting cylinder blocks onto like a, you know, like a rod and doing bench press and stuff. It's yeah. like people are having to get really creative. It's like times like this. I mean, at the end of the day, when we come out of everything that we're going through, there's going to be a lot of creative stuff, whether it's, you know, music, sports, different, you know, innovative ways to work out new businesses. Like yeah. there's going to be a lot of stuff because people have had a lot of time on their hands. Yeah, totally. Have you, um, do you listen to Joe Rogan at all or I do. I tune in for, you know, I've never followed, um, the UFC religiously. So like I'll tune in if there's a big fight or like, I, I think McGregor's the funniest guy ever. Yeah. So I'll go on and watch, you know, something like that. So I don't watch any of his like, uh, or listen to any of his fight stuff, but he has, you know, such an eclectic group yeah. that comes onto his podcast. So I love tuning in. Like, I mean, he's had everything from, uh, uh, Hetfield with Metallica yeah. to like Elon Musk yeah. and you know to listen to some of those guys and just the conversation that they bring up it's 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 pretty cool to see what he's done as a business person like I grew up knowing him as Fear Factor yeah. and then to see him doing these podcasts where he's talking with you know the smartest guys ever bringing in a whole life of mastery in you know something in the health industry yeah. and he gets to talk to him for three hours and just pick their brain like he that's a, a pretty cool gig. Yeah. This, uh, you know, actually, um, a guy who lived down the street from me when I grew up, his name's Cameron Haynes. Oh, no way. Yeah. So his, what? yeah. So his, his kids, they were all taught. So we live right down the street from my elementary school and my mom taught at the elementary school. So all of his kids went to the elementary school. Okay. And back. So his daughter was in my mom's class and this goes back probably, you know, 10 to 12 years so she's close to your age then she's no she's damn maybe my age stuff is all messed up she's she's quite a bit younger than me i was in high school and she was she would have been in elementary school okay but my mom she comes home from school one day and she's like hey this is like the craziest story um we were we were going through weekend recaps and they have all the first graders go through and like draw something about their weekend yeah and she walked by, her name's Taryn, and she walked by Taryn's desk, and there's this, she drew a deer that was hanging up in the garage and just a huge <laughs> puddle of blood under it. Yeah. And my mom's like, Taryn, that's really interesting. What's going on there? And she goes, oh, my dad's a big hunter, um, and this was the buck that he killed over the weekend. Oh. And we went hunting, and you know, I got to go hunting with my dad. Yeah. And so at that point, he had this hunting channel on the Comcast network. Yeah. It was, you know, it wasn't huge or anything like that. But he's transformed everything in bow hunting into like he's an Under Armour sponsored athlete. Yeah, there was a there was a billboard, you know, on the East Coast, and it was Tom Brady throwing a football and Cameron Haynes shooting his bow. No way. And so 
he he grew up down or he him and his family lived down the street from me when I was growing up and then you know he I got to go home every once in a while and go and like work out with him and everything like that so to see him with Goggins and Joe Rogan and you know this huge public figure now yeah it's pretty cool and so I originally tuned into Joe because Cameron was on the the podcast yeah. and then I started, you know, listen to a lot of Rogan stuff. Yeah. It's fun. The the episodes are so long though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They do they are super long. So um so Cam Haynes, he's also like an ultra marathon runner, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's I mean, he's transformed bow hunting into just being kind of the ultimate predator is what he does. Yeah. And uh the guy's a an animal. He would always be, you know, running around our street and stuff and he's you know, he's not a, he's not a large guy. He's, he's short and he's probably, you know, 150 pounds, but the dude's just ripped and he'll go and, you know, he's a machine cause he'll work out 4am. He goes and works a job all day long. You know, his, he's not a, he's not sponsored and everything to the point where all he does is bow hunt. Like a lot of people don't realize he works a normal job. Yeah. And then he'll Doesn't go he work for like BLM or something or he, he works with something with a power company. I forget uh, exactly what it is. It's like power and cable. I think gotcha. it's some, something with the government. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but like, you know, he'll work out in the morning. He'll go over to Mount Pisgah, which is kind of like table rock here. And he'll go run Mount Pisgah a couple times. Yeah. And then he'll go and hit the gym at night. Yeah. And then they moved and he built his, new gym now that you see all the all the mounts and everything yeah he's shooting it's cool it looks gym. like it's like i've seen inside his gym and it looks like it's like a log cabin kind of yeah. but then there's like weights in there too it's awesome so my my sister is an ultra marathon runner oh cool and she i think the longest she's run is maybe 100k which is wow. like 60 miles yeah um but i've crewed for her before with her husband so we took my truck up in the mountains and oh wow like we'd set up aid stations for her and stuff and she'd come and we'd refill her water and make sure she got food and uh i always asked her about cameron haynes because there's like that community the ultra marathon runner yep. people and uh, i don't i don't know if she likes him or not but i know she's critical of some of those people yeah um, because because to them like i don't think the ultra marathon group is like this super you know, outspoken, you know, very in the public eye of everything that's going on. Yeah. And so you throw a couple of these guys into the mix that are these, you know, have these huge backgrounds. Uh, Jesse Itzler, I follow, you know, through everything that he does. I think he's a fascinating dude. Who, who's he? So Jesse Itzler was the one who he wrote the book living with a seal. Okay. Um, so he's oh. the one who brought David Goggins in who gotcha. lived with him. And I thought that was the coolest thing. Like just taking this guy, he recognized, he's like, I'm an average Joe in, you know, you know, this, this pursuit of being the, you know, he says creating your life resume. So he's trying to do as many cool things in the days that he has. Yeah. And, uh, he, he talks, he, so he wrote one that was living with a seal, which was great. And that was before it was known that that was David Goggins. So he wrote this book and just called the guy seal Yeah. because David Goggins was still an active Navy seal. Oh, and then it came out later that David Goggins was actually David Goggins. And then he blew up into this whole character. Yeah. Um, but then he, so he did the next one where he's like, okay, I got to train my mind now. So he goes and he lives in a monastery for Whoa. a week and he lives with monks, throws away the cell phone, family sits by the wayside. He goes and he just lives in this monastery and yeah. like talks through everything that they do in meditation and everything. So he's this guy who's trying to do all this elaborate stuff. So he's an ultra marathon runner. Gotcha. And then David Goggins and then um, Cameron Haynes. Yeah. And like, it's just, you know, this, this group of people who have put ultra marathon into this, 
you know, huge scope. Dude, I, you, you've run, um, Roby Creek, right? Yeah. So I've done it the past two years. So they canceled it this year Yeah. and me and T-Horn ended up meeting at the trail and we were like, let's go do it. You did so, it? Yeah. So me and T-Horn six foot distance, <laughs> we, uh, we went out there and we ran it on the day that it was supposed no to be. Way. Yeah. It was a blast. Was there anyone else out there? We passed some mountain bikers, but we ran it pretty early in the morning. Gotcha. Um, usually the race starts at noon. Um, and you know, the year before I trained a ton, yeah. did a bunch of trail running and went into it and my quads and calves cramped so bad at the end, <laughs> I was hobbling yeah. and like cramped up to the point. Like, no aid station. No aid station. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, like not stopping. I, you know, would eat a banana and maybe a shot of water and then yeah. like keep going. And then you see all these people who are like shotgun and PBR yeah, and oh like yeah. there's, you know, doing shots of fireball and stuff. And so many people have fun with it. And you know, those events like that made me kind of bring the athlete back out inside of me. Yeah. It was really fun because you're like kind of competing against other people, but you're not like you're feeling like you're moving. And then you see this 70 guy, 70 year old guy just like yeah. pass you. And Dude, okay. I had a moment like that. The first time I ran it, one of my calves, I think I passed like mile marker 11. And so I was almost done. And one of my calves started cramping and I like, I like screamed. I was like, fuck no. Like, <laughs> like I want to complete this so bad. Like yeah. I'm not, not stopping. And like this 11 year old girl runs past and she's like, I'm sorry, <laughs> mister. And I was like, and that's kind of when I realized like I'm battling against myself, obviously. Yeah. Like it was so difficult for me to do. Um, but then it's like, yeah, these little kids are yeah. just kicking ass. You go, sorry, little girl. There's like <laughs> some demons inside of me that I'm dealing with. I got to get this out. Yeah. Yeah. So I did, I've done it twice. Um, the issue I had both times I did it, it was my IT bands. Oh, really? And I'm not sure why. And I trained for it the first year, and then the second year I didn't really train for it, and it was worse the second year. Oh, really? Um, and then my wife and I actually did a half marathon in Glacier National Park. Oh, that's cool. And that was really cool because um, you got to run through the park, and it yeah. was beautiful while you did it. Um, but, yeah, I don't. I think I'm kind of done with distance running. Yeah. I mean, it was cool to do for a bit, and... I don't know. I'll still go out for 45 minute runs with my wife, but yeah. I think, uh, anything more than like six miles, I'm probably not going to do anymore. So <laughs> that's funny. You say that now. Cause, um, so I just decided, so at the end of August, I saw this, I'm doing a 48 and 48. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm doing my own ultra. Um, and so I'm on the board for the children's home society of Idaho. Okay. And so, you know, I was thinking, I was like, gosh, I want to try and figure out some, some way to be creative in fundraising. Yeah. Like, I think that would be really fun. And then I saw David Goggins come out with this thing, the four by four by 48. And yeah. So it's like four miles on the fourth hour of every hour for 48 hours. And you run through the middle of the night and I'm like, you know, that's kind of like a mentality thing that sounds fun. It's like you break it down. I can do four miles at a time. We'll see how I do in the end. Cause yeah. I have no idea. I've never ran, you know, the longest I've ran is Roby Creek. Four so, miles is a big chunk. Yeah. Four miles. And then you, you add that on. It's like, you know, two of my runs are going to be at 2 AM. Yeah. And, uh, so that'll be interesting. So me and Tyler Horn are, he's doing it. That's going to benefit the Ronald McDonald house. And then I'm doing it to do the children's home society. And it's been super fun. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but, um, so can they, can, anyone who's listening, can they sponsor you for it? Like, yeah. They... Yeah. So I have, uh, I have, they, they were really cool in setting up like a donation page and they were all fired up about it. Yeah. Um, and it's a cool cause just because, you know, we have our annual fundraiser that got canceled because of COVID. So I know that some of the sponsors backed out. So 
finding a way to do it. Everything that we do is benefiting, um, you know, underprivileged kids and helping their families with um, basically mental health um, groups and being able to provide the funding for their mental health treatment. Um, and so, you know, it's helping the kids and, you know, the kids are going through some tough times, especially right now, but you throw cell phones into the mix and all this different stuff going on. It's like kids have it quite a bit different than we had it when we were growing up. So online bullying. I mean, that's like completely nothing I had to worry about. I mean, we had MySpace when I was in high school, but I mean, I don't think anybody really took it that serious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it you was know. so fresh at the time, but now it's like, it's prevalent and you know, I kind of fear the day that I have kids. And I'm like, I got to try and figure out a way around this social media stuff. And it's yeah. like, it's kind of scary stuff. Yeah. And, uh, Ronald McDonald house just built a new place too, right? Yeah. Downtown. Right across from St. Luke's. And yeah. so, yeah, that's a, that's a really cool cause too. So I'm fired up and you know, we, we do our run. So now for our camel's back workout in the morning, we start at my house and we run to camel's back, do the workout and then run home. So it yeah. ends up being like three miles and then plus the workout. And so, you know, we're doing that on Wednesdays and then we're trying to run as much as we can, but, yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see. Luckily, uh, Melissa's a nurse practitioner, so she'll hook me up with some ideas oh, yeah. and make sure I don't cramp. But, nice. um, yeah, that's, uh, it'll be, it'll be a fun deal. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's, end of august you said yeah, end of or? august so it'll be uh august 21st and we're uh you know trying to find some fun ways to incorporate different companies and do some sponsorships shout out some local companies too that yeah. you know everybody's been hit so differently from covid and yeah. you know any way that we can to be able to promote you know a gym or a you know smoothie place or whatever it might yeah. be it's like Try and tie it in, give back to the kids, and then also, you know, bring awareness to different people who are actively giving in the community. Because yeah. I think that's huge. I can, mean, you got to. Can individuals donate too? Yeah, definitely. And I'm still trying to figure out a way because a lot of people, when they give individually, they don't like their name to be highlighted on yeah. it, and even some businesses. But um, yeah, and I, my plan is to, you know, get consent from all the individuals who give yeah. and say, hey, do you mind if I highlight? I think it's really cool that you kind of stepped up in a tough time to be able to give. So, um, yeah, I got on the phone with, um, the varsity B group and they're like, Oh, this is cool. Let's do a fundraiser and let's try and find a way to do something like this. That's, you know, centered around athletics. So it's like you start thinking into the CrossFit stuff. You yeah. Know, what if we do something at Spencer's gym to be able to highlight CrossFit composure and then, um, you know, have some sort of way to highlight varsity B too. It's like, I love, you know, finding synergy and, you know, yeah. companies helping each other. Yeah. I think it's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Well, uh, I, I will put some money down from, Cro <laughs> from CrossFit composure. So it, it is, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and it, so you don't know how individuals can donate though, or can they no, just they go can. to your page? Yeah. So actually what I'm doing is, um, so they have the option to either do donations per mile, okay. um, or just a flat donation. Okay. And so I've had, uh, you know, a good medley of both type of pledges. I think that the, um, you know, part of the reason that I'm doing it in August is every August my brain was programmed. It's football time. Yeah. It's like, so I want to do something competitive in August. And so, you know, to, to challenge me, I'm kind of trying to set it up as a competition where, you know, I want you to challenge me by mile. And it's like, you, you know, someone pledges big, they can cut it off at 48, but like the competitor in me, you know, I don't know how I'm going to be feeling day two of this thing. Maybe yeah. I'm feeling great. And, you know, 
try and go over 48. Who knows? It's kind of a work in progress. So I'm going to document it and, you know, show the routes on Strava and different stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm excited. It's a, definitely going to be a new experience for me. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah Keep training, really man. I know. I know. Make, gotta, make game day feel easy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm not sure how to imitate this game day. I think it's yeah. going to be a, a beast of a You time. might have to do a dry, you might have to do a 24 hour dry run and yeah. just do like two miles every four hours. Or yeah. Something. Just like program my mind that, okay, this is how it's going to feel, but twice as hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. I, I actually would really like to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I probably should. Yeah. Taylor Tharp texted me last night and he was giving me some good ideas. So, yeah. Yeah. He was, he's so funny. That guy. Are you going to do different locations too? Like you'll do. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I, uh, I live on Hill Road, so an you know an easy route for me is just kind of through the neighborhoods there. So like the nighttime runs, I'll probably end up doing that. But like yeah. I'd like to get creative and kind of go and check out some different places in Boise. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's kind of the routes are a work in progress right yeah. now. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. So you and Horn are doing it. Yep. And then anyone else? Um. No. No one stepped up to. Nobody's taught. No. Yeah. No one said that they want to do it yet. Um. You know, obviously, like if we have a couple people doing it, it would be a blast. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you're running for that long, it's like your, your conditioning doesn't play in as much as it's just your body and like maintaining the right form. Yeah. So it's like, you can hold a conversation during that. And yeah. you know, it's, it's been fun getting to, you know, spend time with him where we're not, it's not just like dead weight hanging out. It's like, yeah. we're doing stuff actively. So yeah. that's been, that's been a good way to connect with him. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I haven't connected with Tyler, but I'll have yeah. to reach out to him. See yeah, you doing. should. He's uh he actually lives kind of right down the street from you. Okay. So yeah, he's, he's doing good though. And he's got another baby on the way. Oh, no way. Yeah. So dude, yeah. that's crazy. It's crazy to me to see people. I don't know, just in a different element and see people as like fathers. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. It is it's you see a different side of people. Oh yeah. Well, and it's the perfect like T-horn combination too because he's got this like awesome German shepherd and then he has this <laughs> cute little girl. Yeah. And so like these his two personalities clash where he's the nicest guy and then he can also like he can get after it. Yeah. And um you know, he's he's a good dude. But yeah, it's it's so much fun catching up with guys like yeah. that. And Tyler Tyler's from Boise, right? He went to Capitol. Uh, he went to Meridian and then Mountain View or Mountain View. Okay. Um, but yeah, he grew up in Meridian and you know, he's, he's a local guy and he's doing real estate now too. And yeah. Just having a blast. He's working with Schleck and, yeah. uh, the Boise, t Boise team at Amherst and you know, they're doing great. I think that, you know, Nick's been able to build, build such an incredible culture between him and Matt Bauscher. Yeah. Um, and you know, really kind of taking the Valley by storm as far as real estate services go. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Matt Weston, Elliot, Mike T and, you know, T horn and Richie then Austin Dixon, Richie. Yeah. And it's like, it's so fun catching up with Richie. Cause he's also my accountant. So oh, yeah. I call him on real estate stuff and then I call him on accounting stuff Yeah, and we're getting to, you know, trade notes and hang out a lot. Yeah. I think Richie's going to punch me in the face next time I see him because <laughs> why is that? <laughs> well, I, I was thinking about transitioning some of the business, some of my business, uh, accounting things to Richie. Um, and he wanted to see these tax documents and stuff. And he texted me the other day and he's like, where, where are those forms? And I was like, I, my wife and I had just done this huge hike up in uh, red mountain lakes. I was listening to that. You guys got yourself in a oh, man. tough it, deal. It was, it was tough. And so Richie texted me like the next day and I was like, dude, I, we got lost in Loman and I'm still trying to process this. And then I went and met with our current CPA and I, I just think, unless Richie's got 
a team of people. I mm-hmm. I think it's like too much maybe. Yeah. But I'm going to have to chat with him about it and just yeah. see what he wants to do. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if he's going to greet you with a punch in the face. I mean, Richie, Richie's a nice guy. No, I know. Yeah, he would punch me because we're friends, yeah. not because he dislikes me. Maybe it's going to be a salt arm punch that he's going to Yeah, do. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's been awesome reconnecting with Richie too. And he's got two little girls. And Yeah. 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 And he's just, I mean... That dude's just, he's a ball of energy every time that you talk to him. Yeah. It's so fun to be around people who are extremely passionate about what they're doing. It's yeah. like, if you can get into a conversation, I don't care if it's the person checking groceries at Albertsons or the CEO who loves their job. It's like, if you can talk to someone who's passionate about what they're doing, that's like the real treat. Yeah. And so, you know, being able to connect with people who are really loving what they're doing, I think that's great. And then, you know, what we're talking about with the Varsity B and Bronco Life stuff is, for the people who haven't quite found their passion yet is how do, how do we help people get to that point? Because, you know, it to, to live with a purpose of knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it. I mean, it makes every single day so much fun. Yeah. 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 I think people need to be okay with not being a football player anymore Mm -hmm. and finding, I mean, it doesn't matter what you enjoy. You just don't have to, you don't have to worry about what other people think about you. Yeah. You got to get over that. And like, realize I'm not a football player anymore. I can enjoy skiing or I can enjoy accounting or I can enjoy doing supply chain or real estate. Like you're not a football player anymore. No. And it's, you know, you can, you know, fall back on the lessons that you learned and everything. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, how do you transition to that? I, I had a, a book that I was reading called the passion paradox. And it was kind of talking about people who are chasing this dream or a passion of what they call it towards a you know an exact goal that they're going for and really what it turns out to be is you know in the working environment you don't necessarily have to be in a job that you're passionate about the entire company and what you're actually doing but you know a lot of the passion actually falls back into the processes that you're doing Um, and so if you're extremely diligent and passionate about you know correcting these steps, improving how you're doing things and like kind of get in that mindset. Um, it takes, it takes away from having to find the best, most outstanding role that you know, you really feel proud about. It's like, be proud about your work and what you do. And, uh, you know, one of the, one of the ideas that we originally spoke about a year ago was, you know, talking about this like red shirt mentality or stepping into a new job and kind of taking the back seat. And it's like, um, you know, when you step onto a team, I redshirt, I think you redshirt yep. as well. Yep. It's like when you step onto a team and you're a redshirt, I mean, I was going against, you know, you guys who were kicking my tail and scout team every single day. I was working out, getting up at 5am, working out, study hall, practice, class, study, go to bed and doing that for a year, knowing yeah. I wasn't even going to get on the field. Yeah. And so if you apply that later on into your, you know, career that you go into, everybody, thinks that, you know, you, you get off football, you're done with football and you know, you kind of have to take a step off your high horse where you're playing in front of 30,000 people every weekend. You know, you're, you're getting to, you know, do all this really fun stuff with your friends. And then, you know, you step off and you're like, man, well, I put in all this time in football. I should have this fancy job with the good title and the good hours and everything like that. It's like, you got to start from scratch and it's whether you're, transitioning into a new job, coming out of football, coming out of the military. It's like you have to step back, humble yourself, learn the processes again and rebuild that mastery. And so that red shirt mentality transitions to the next area of your life. And then when you transition to the next, 
you got to be humble a little bit to go in and say, Hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you teach me how? And, you know, being able to find the right people to lean on. So giving people, you know, the, the material and being able to do that, I think will be, will be pretty cool. Yeah. The red shirt mentality, red shirt mentality. I love it, dude. Yeah. Um, well, I, I was going to give you an opportunity to give the last word, but I think that that wraps (laughs) it up, man. I, I love that idea. And, uh, and I think we're going to continue to talk about this and, and maybe turn it into something. You bet. So, it'll, go, it'll go deeper than the podcast for sure. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being on. It's been almost an hour and 40 minutes. So, wow. Yeah. That does fly by. <laughs> That's <laughs> does. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Of course. I'm, uh, I'm excited to follow and see who you keep bringing on. It's, it's really fun to see, you know, the the background in everybody, everybody's so different. It's and that's what I love, man. The world is so huge. Every person has their own story. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people get to tell their story and I want to give an opportunity for people to tell their story. I think so. that's awesome. I think you're doing really cool things and I'm excited for the, uh, for the workout CrossFit composure. I'm ready. All right, man. Right on. All right, cool. cool. And then I wanted to, to give you an opportunity to plug your page. Do you have like a website to go to or? Yeah. So it's actually it, the, the links is accessible through my Instagram at Sam McCaskill, my Facebook at Sam McCaskill, um, anything like that. There's a flyer that kind of puts together, you know, what the mission is, what the details are into yeah. it. And then there's a donation page that you go to. Um, and it, you know, provides you the opportunity, whether you just want to donate a dollar and say, Hey, I like what you're doing this. You know, I'm not offended by, you know, a little donation or no donation, yeah. you know, anything helps. And, um, I think it'll be a, a cool cause and we'll see what it turns into. I think it could be a opportunity to do a lot of fun fundraising stuff in the future. Awesome. And it all goes, goes towards to the children's home society. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. All right.